Today on Locked On Red Wings, was Iserman successful at moving the rebuild forward this year? You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. While Scotty is the host over at Lockdown Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. Happy Friday, Scotty. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. Yeah, the uh, big big series for the Tigers. That'll be most of my uh, most of my weekend. Mother's Day Sunday. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Mother's Day Sunday. Uh, yeah. NFL schedules released later this evening. We're recording this before yeah, it's released Thursday on night, Thursday. NFL schedules out. Yeah, but, it'll be. Uh, uh, it'll be. I mean, obviously, hockey and NBA playoffs in full swing. It should be a. Uh, should be a pretty fun weekend. I'm going to the Tigers game on Friday. So. Yeah, wow, that's sick. It's. It's actually. I don't want to slander them. They're playing so well, but it's kind of crazy to think like we're in a place where we can look forward to Tigers baseball. And yeah, I don't know how long this will last given their roster. No one does <laughs> or ride it out, baby. Exactly. It's the middle of May and the season's not over yet. So <laughs> that's a, that's that's a low cool. bar. Haven't, haven't had that in a long time. <laughs> Anyways, on uh, today's episode, guys, we're going to talk about the fact uh, we, we were doing these player grade saga uh, series and we, we just uh, wanted to like change up our phrasing on it because like saying let's give Steve Eisenman a grade for this year just feels shallow and it lacks nuance and depth. So instead, we're going to attack this at two-pronged approach. We're going to look at Steve Eisenman and say, was he successful at moving the rebuild forward this year? Yes or no. And then take a look at grander scheme because now it's four, four years. Him, Steve Eisenman, he came in offseason in 2019. His yeah. first year was 1920. We've just completed 22-23. So that's four years. Uh, with uh, yeah, four years, right? 20, 21, 22. I, I, we did this math beforehand, but all of a sudden I started doubting myself. Yes. But he got the, brought back in 19. Yeah, the completion then, yeah, that season of his fourth year as general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. And we'll go look broader scope and determine whether or not it's headed in the right direction still. And I guess we'll lead off with this season in, in a vacuum and where this team was at last year versus where they are at the end of the season this year, Scotty. And looking at his workload, what he's done as general manager, would you deem this season a success for Steve Eisman? Do you think he was successful at pushing the rebuild forward? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that is the place to start. And, and just looking at this season, the moves that he made, I guess we can kind of date back to like last off season, right? And add like the new free agent acquisitions and whatnot. But that's where um, I would start. I would say that this season starts when he dra- the draft happened. Right. Yeah. Agreed. So, I mean, dating back to then from then to now, I, I would say, yes, I, I would say that this was again, like we, what a couple of weeks ago, we both agreed that this was a successful season for the Detroit Red Wings. And I think the reason that it was a successful season is because we thought enough of a step forward was taken in terms of where the team currently sits in the rebuild. So uh, when looking at, I mean, the draft, that's kind of a time will tell thing most times than more times than not. But I think everybody's really pleased with what they did in the draft last year with Casper and whatnot. Uh, And then in free agency, some, 
Question marks, for sure. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, ben Sherratt continues to be one of the bigger question marks that happened last offseason. Andrew Kopp was a tale of two two halves, kind of. Uh, not even halves, just like different parts of the season. He, he, had, uh, he had different success or, or not, and he had some pretty rough parts of the season too. So um, I, I, there's, there's some question marks there. But the biggest thing for me in grading where the team stands currently based on what happened this season is the trade deadline and the contracts extensions. And I think that he hit so far a bunch of home runs with those two categories. And again, when we're talking about one season in a vacuum and, and whether it kept the Red Wings headed in the right direction, those are the two biggest things for me. And I thought that this deadline was a successful one. Uh, the, the return for Burt, I know that Burt is, is a really good hockey player and is very good at what he does, but at the end of the day, rentals go for less because market determines value. I'm a broken record with that. So I, I enjoy what they got for Burt. And then the Heronic thing was a huge out of left field moment. And they got really, really good value for, for Heronic. And when looking at what they lost and what they still need, do they need a Philip Peronic caliber defenseman on this team going forward. We talked, we laid it out yesterday. Your defensive core right now is kind of already four, maybe even five deep going into next season. So I think that that was, even though it was totally out of left field, kind of an expendable piece. And Burt is a free agent. Again, if you really want Burt, you can make a run at him. But this team's biggest needs is pure goal score and center depth, which Burt is neither of those, even though he can provide goal scoring. Obviously, we had that conversation earlier in the offseason. So I don't think that – and then the Verona thing, I don't even – I'm kind of over talking about the Verona thing at this point. Obviously, they had a, a agreement in which they wanted to part ways. Verona is no longer part of the future. Uh, wish him nothing but the best, obviously. But it, it's just – it's one of those things where – I look and then extension wise, Olimata, I was in support of that uh, dating back to, to earlier. Obviously, the Wallman Wallman gets extended. I'm 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 very, very pleased with the general manager moves that happened this offseason and where it put us going into this offseason. Now, the future is a different conversation, but looking at what has happened the last 12 months, I'm in favor of almost all of it. Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty much perfectly there. If you look at all the moves that he made, there's a logic behind all of them. And not that there wasn't drawbacks, which you, you touched on as well, but you know, he went into this last offseason with, I think, the most, if not like second or third the most cap space in the league. It was close to 40 million, if yeah. not more, if I'm recalling correctly. And it was a good free agent class, and he made out well. He signed Andrew Kopp, who was one of the top centers in the free agent class. He signed Ben Sherratt, who was, you know, regardless of our feelings, he's very highly valued around the league by general managers and can play top six minutes, top four minutes, top pair minutes, no matter where you slide him, you can put him anywhere. Whether or not he'll thrive again is up for debate. But he went out there and he got Olimata, David Perron, Dominic Kubelik. He spent big this offseason to significantly upgrade this team. Now, when you look at this roster, even with those additions, you recognize this is still not a playoff team. And we were saying it before the season began that we expected this team to stay relevant and make a push for the wild card deep into the season. 
I think the only caveat you can make is they weren't really in the wild card race late in the year, but they were still not eliminated. They were still trying and competing. And I think you look at what the, this team's needs were with the draft. He went and got a guy who's projected to be a top six center in Marco Casper, who immediately was making huge strides forward in his game over in the SHL, which when you make a draft, it is admittedly, you know, a, you're throwing a dart. But they did their scouting, and they did a good job. And if it weren't for that injury, he would have played his rookie minimum nine games with the Detroit Red Wings. He only got one in, but this is a guy who, at 19 years old, played his first NHL game. I mean, that's how good the quality of the drafting was. We saw a step forward from Moritz Sider. We were a little bit scared for a bit, but once they got Jake Wallman on his pair, it was the Sider we saw last year. But this was a more defensively responsible Moritz Sider, taking less risks offensively. Although some of those offensive risks last year did have big rewards. <laughs> but the point being is we, we saw growth and he went out there and he got a new head coach. We wanted them to see, we wanted to see them get rid of Jeff Blaschel as much as I'll defend Jeff Blaschel in his tenure here, because he was never given a team that was meant to succeed. It was time to depart time to part ways rather. And he did that. He got Derek Lalonde and we'll talk about Derek Lalonde himself on a different episode and whether or not this was a good first season for him and his staff. But everything Iserman did was with a purpose of moving the rebuild forward. And I think he did. Now, again, like you touched on, there were detractions, right? You know, Jacob Vrana didn't work out. That's not Iserman's fault. I will defend that move, and we'll probably defend it in segment two when we look at the rebuild as a scope. That didn't work out. The team didn't, and I think, as much as I do believe that this team took a step forward, it didn't take as big of a step forward as I had hoped they would. And part of that might be my bias as a fan interfering, thinking they were better than they really were. But, you know, we saw the goaltending kind of take a, a collapse again late in the year. The backup goaltending collapsed at the beginning of the year. And a lot of that could have to do with workload. The defense still wasn't great. While the team took a step forward at puck possession-wise compared to last year, it's hard not to do that when you were 30th in the league last year. You're third worst in the league at uh, attempted shots for a game. So the, while it took a step forward, it was just like a, a little baby step forward. And I that's where you kind of have the conversation of like, well, first year of a new coaching regime, it's going to take time for that to be implemented. But me as a fan was hoping to see a little bit more. Remember, I wanted 85 points, they got 80. And that's being nitpicky. It wasn't quite as big of a step forward as I was hoping for, but it was still a step forward nonetheless. Losing Bertuzzi, losing Heronic, they're logical. I understand it. They're tough pills to swallow. I was hoping they'd be part of the core, but I understand that they're not. I understand why the move was made. So while those are drawbacks, I think they're more nitpicky than anything. I think overall, when you look at the scope of what he did this year, it was still a step forward, but I think the hot seat, not the hot seat, but I think people are going to start scrutinizing him very soon if the steps forward aren't bigger in years to come. Agreed. All right. We'll take I, a quick... I kind of a, a way that I viewed the last 12 months and how I view the next 12 months too, but we can do that after the break. We'll come, we'll get to that because we're going to get to the rebuild as a whole in segment two. So that's the perfect place for it. So, but first I got to talk to you guys today about eBay motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for that green check. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your your ride to my garage. And again, you just look for that green check mark to know that it will fit or your money back. 
Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop in, on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about whether or not Iserman was successful in moving the rebuild forward uh, this season. We both agree that, yes, I think it wasn't quite to the extent I had hoped, but I still think that all the moves he made were the right moves for the franchise. Um, just wasn't the growth, the amount of growth that I had seen, but that could have just been, again, me as a fan with rose-colored glasses on, not being realistic with my expectations. Scotty, now we're going to move on to you know the, the rebuild as a whole. And you mentioned how you wanted to talk about your expectations for the next 12 months being different from your expectations of this 12 months that we just experienced. Why don't you take it away? Yeah, well, I, I think for me, and the reason why I, I still maintain that this past season was such a success was – I think the last 12 months, given all of the, the pieces that they brought in last offseason and all of the, the people that were chosen to give extensions to versus those who were chosen to get traded away, et cetera, et cetera, I think the last 12 months has been raising a floor and the next 12 months raise a ceiling. And that is how mm -hmm. I have viewed really this entire, like, two-year stretch from last draft to next draft is the, the the first 12 have raised the floor, right? Andrew Kopp, yeah, I think, is a, a really effective floor raiser for your team's expectations. Uh, a veteran like Ben Sherratt is, is, I mean, we all have our qualms, is not going to be a guy who's going to come in and be some insanely productive top-pairing defenseman but he's going to improve the awful, awful, awful defense that was the defense from two seasons ago, right? You, you Obviously, you're giving extensions to Olimata. That's a floor-raising move. You don't want your, your fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, or sixth defenseman, wherever he slips in, to be uh, an AHL-caliber guy, right? Jake Wallman, obviously, that makes sense. He's still in his late 20s. 20s. He probably raises your ceiling, too, but extending him is a big deal. And so, like, all of those moves, even, like, Perron. Perron has been very consistent. We talked about it in his grading episode. We know exactly what Perron's going to give us point-wise, assuming he plays pretty much every single year because they have been wildly consistent. Uh, Kubalik was a, a guy to take a chance on to raise your floor and, and help fit a strategy that you had lost. Like everything he did was, was to make the floor better, make, make the worst possible scenario for the wings better. And now this off season is the off season in which you raise the ceiling and you can make the best version that this team can be substantially better. And, and that's how I have viewed this entire last 12 months and and i've reiterated it before but uh this this offseason is absolutely vital yeah and this red wings team went from 30th to 28th in the league expected goals four percentage you look at but special teams is really where they thrived and where a lot of those acquisitions really helped them and we'll talk to this couldn't have been possible without Derek alone's um scheme as well and we'll i'm sure I'll, we'll talk about this a lot more come uh 
come that day as well, come that episode. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings were 17th in the league in power play this year. And last season, they were 26th. You want to look at penalty kill? Last season, Scotty, their penalty kill was ranked 32nd in the league. And one, it's hard to get worse than 32nd because it's literally the dead last. But then from 32nd all the way up to 18th. And what we were, what did we ask of this team going into the season, right? Middle of the pack special teams. That's middle of the tap. We, <laughs> we wanted a step forward. And that was a significant step forward, especially for the penalty kill. Like they moved up over 10 spots penalty kill wise. So I, th- again, I just want to reiterate Steve Eiserman. It was a successful off season for him, but I agree with you this off season, you got to do something. It, patience is wearing thin with us fans. And I know he does not take that into account, nor should he, but as a general manager, this team has the second longest playoff drought, which you were not responsible for, but you are responsible for now in the league, in the league. And so you have to, at some point make a splash and with as thin as the free agents free agent market is this year this is the offseason to make a splash trade wise and we've talked about that and i won't go down that rabbit hole again but when you look at the entire scope of his rebuild so far it just feels like and i don't want to do this dance song and dance of oh trust the eyes plan right i don't want to do that because it gets a little old but objectively speaking Iserman early in the rebuild took swings on prospects that like Moritz Sider that a lot of people deemed were reaches ended up working out Calder trophy. He got screwed in the draft, fell to fourth, got Lucas Raymond, who's arguably the second best, if not the best player in that draft next to Tim Stutzla, who they couldn't have drafted anyways because he was taken third overall. So they got the best player available without a doubt at that position after they should have had one, had the choice of what they wanted. 2020, a lot of people, us included, Wanted William Eklund because they still needed that four. They still need four depth. He decided to lean into the defensive depth because he and the organization he built in Tampa, along with a coach he just hired out of Tampa, believe in defense first. That team went on to win two back-to-back Stanley Cups and go to the final three times. They got Simon Edmondson to fill that philosophy. That this year they still needed that draft pick. I'm not going to go with every single acquisition, but early in the rebuild, he got a lot of band-aid players, short-term contracts, cheap players. And then he would take flyers on guys who maybe, maybe not would would work out if they didn't. No big deal. Like Brandon Perlini, Eric Comrie didn't, didn't matter if they didn't work out because they were just take a flyer on a guy. Juice is loose. And sometimes, yeah, Christian juice. Wow. What, What a throwback. But sometimes it did work out. I mean, Adam, Adam Ernie, as much, you know, as we say, he's not part of this team's future, but he was a solid guy on that bottom six until the end of his contract this year. Robbie Fabry is the poster child for taking a flyer on a guy, seeing how he works out. Jake Woolman is also the poster child for taking a flyer on a guy yeah. who maybe didn't get the love and attention he deserved. And look how that worked out. So this team over the last four years has taken huge strides from being just dog water. One of the historically worst teams in the league to being competitive towards the end of the season. But I agree with you that this offseason, Scotty, this offseason coming up is going to be a huge offseason to determining how much longer this team has in a rebuild. And I am with you, or I imagine you are with me, rather, that this has got to be the year you make a splash. Because I know that, again, it doesn't matter, nor should it matter what fans think, but fans, myself included, aren't going to sit on my thumbs for too much longer wondering and just trusting blindly, because people shouldn't just trust. I have a lot of faith in Steve Eisman, but people shouldn't blindly trust Steve Eisman to just 
get it done eventually. Eventually, the pressure's got to come on. And this is the offseason. I, I, as a fan, I'm starting to apply that pressure to get something to happen. And Yeah. Well, I mean, we've said at. it a lot. Like, th- this is this is the most important offseason in his tenure comfortably. Um, and th- this is where, like, rebuilds are are determined. And I, and I think it's totally fair to start asking a lot more questions if the Red Wings have a really quiet offseason and, and don't get – bring in too much talent and don't get too much better on paper. I, I, I think that that's – uh, where a lot of people are going to have a, a lot of legitimacy behind the, que- the questions that they bring up. And, and I'm sure that we'll be covering it every day, talking about it too. So, yeah, this is a, a vital, vital, vital offseason for Steve. Absolutely. So I think we're both in agreement here that the rebuild has, is heading in a good direction. This last season was a successful one for Iserman. If we wanted to give him a very arbitrary grade, though, where would you give that grade? Based on expectations, right? Yeah, for this season, I would probably give it a B. I think, I think I was... that this was this was uh, team performance wise about where we expected. Right, we called it a success. Like we expected to be one of the better teams to miss the playoffs. They were in it at the trade deadline, and then obviously the the Sens uh, series back to back happened and. Uh, they weren't, but they still played competitive hard hockey after the trade deadline as well, which I thought was impressive. And then really the biggest thing was like we knew going into the season, if we were out of it, that Burt was going to get moved. And not only did he do Burt and get a get a solid return for that, but the the heroic thing as well, extending Wallman and Mata. I I I'm I I think it's a solid, a solid B of a of a season for our general manager. Completely agreed. He went out there, spent big, drafted good players. And the team was competitive down the stretch. So I think that's I think that easily deserves a B for the general manager, Steve Eiserman. Um, when we come back, we're gonna finish off this Friday episode with a fun little edition of how do you feel about it Friday? Expect more sports talk, but maybe not Red Wings centric. We'll see. <laughs> so stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. All right, Scotty, we're gonna do a how do you feel about it Friday now, buddy? Do you wanna lead off or should I? Uh, you, me, I mean, my question is simple. How do you feel about chiefs at Arrowhead stadium week one Thursday, the first game of the NFL season? I love it. Absolutely. I love it, man. Lions get to sit at the big boy table. Finally. I am. Oh, I'm so excited. I, I, I think there's a legitimate argument. This is the most excited I've been about a lions team in my entire life. I mean, without a doubt. Right. And you know, as much as I'm like, oh God, the Chiefs, it's that that point where all last year and the entire entirety of my existence, 27 years on this planet, I've wanted the Lions to be taken seriously. And getting the Chiefs in their re- like their banner raising day, day number one of the NFL season. Yeah. I mean, that's the most amount of respect you can get from the NFL because I mean that's that there's intent behind that. They're basically saying you're the new hot thing. Like this is the chiefs of Super Bowl champion. You're playing the chiefs. That means we think you are the new hot thing. And you know, what, what what's the saying? You know, if I can't remember the saying I was going to say, but you got to win the big games, right? <laughs> big time players, make big time plays, baby. Yes, there sir. You go. No, so. it's, it's, it's true though. It's uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for this season. Honestly, I think the division is very much up for grabs. 
Um, yeah, man. Nervous, got, excited, all of the above. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. That's what I was thinking before. That's, just, that's great, dude. Yeah. Ran out the window. <laughs> all right but hey you're with me it sounds like they're gonna have like four primetime games too like three thursday games including obviously including their thanksgiving one and a monday game too based on the rumors we'll know yeah well the the uh, opening week will be a thursday and then thanksgiving will be a thursday so there's w- one more you think and then uh, yeah i think they're getting a sunday or a monday I mean, that's insane that's an insane insane amount of primetime games but and uh, part of me is like that really stinks because that's a really inconsistent schedule but at the same time like you got to prove it no, you're not going to get any gimmies when you are when you are the cream of the crop. And the NFL considers you cream of the crop. You got to go out there and prove it. You got to win those games. So we'll Absolutely. see. Hopefully they don't break my heart. You know, the, <laughs> if any team has been known to do so. Right. <laughs> what about yeah. you? Uh, how do you feel about the NBA draft lottery next week? I'm nervous. Yeah, I. Uh, the Pistons obviously are tied for the number one odds. Number one at, odds, uh, that French kid Wimbayama. Wimbayama, right? yeah. And I again, I will admit, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but I've been working in the building I work down the hall from the sports station. I hear a lot about this kid, and they're saying he's like the best talent to come out of the draft since LeBron James. And there they are have people a, that are saying that they have a young, exciting core with. Cade Cunningham and Duran and Ivy and yeah, Duran and Ivy both got All NBA second team. So or all, geez, all rookie second team. Golly, not All NBA second team, all rookie second team. So that's kind of exciting. They have a really, really bright future already, but it, they got to get a head coach who yeah. can nurture that. They got the general manager Troy Weaver has. I mean, he's. He can't. He sat on his thumbs on the trade deadline. I didn't like that whatsoever. He's got to do something here. Yeah, the the, the offseason thing is not looking fantastic. But. Weird, weird get. I don't understand that trade. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing. So, like in the draft, I'm pretty much going into it just assuming they're not going to give the Pistons two number one overall picks in whatever three or four years. Why are you on team rigged? Um. Yeah. Wow. Well, no. 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 Uh. But. I I think that the number two and three prospects in this draft, um, the Darius Miller from from Alabama is a wing, and you have literally zero wings on your basketball team. Uh, and then Scoot Henderson's just a dog, and, and throwing that into the backcourt wouldn't be a problem. What a name, so, Scoot! I know, phenomenal, right? So, um, so yeah, I'm 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 obviously I'm very nervous. I'm terrified, especially given this city's draft lottery history uh it it doesn't bode well but the pistons did uh i don't know i i just are they gonna give the pistons two number one overall picks that quickly that the only other team i really think i've seen that happen to in my lifetime is the Cavs. like the Cavs, the Cavs had had like uh, quite a few number one overall picks there for a while so um i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens but i'm very very scared yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this next one is really obvious. It's something that we talked about last. How do you feel about it Friday? But how do you feel about the Tigers being seven and two in May? I feel great. I actually just before this show, I recorded uh, today's episode of of Locked On Tigers, and it was literally just a whole show. We previewed the the Mariners at the end, but just an entire show about uh, like why they've been successful in May and how to sustain it and whatnot, and. Um, 
the it's just the offense finally is not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so not a lot of power, but a lot of contact. Yeah, well, even in May specifically, uh, outside of the game in which they got shut out, obviously, they've been hitting homers at like a pretty decent clip in the month of May. And again, it's nine games, but um, yeah, trying to trying to right that ship would would help a lot. Green and Torgelson have been great the last couple of weeks. Javi Baez has been great ever since he got benched. <laughs> Andy Abanez has been awesome out of nowhere. So um so okay. yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of fun. Still, still a lot of area for improvement there, and then still a lot of question marks about how they're going to be able to sustain it. But uh, I mean, the they had a really tough April schedule, and now like Seattle is struggling offensively and is under five hundred going into this series. Um, and then like you end, and then you have Pittsburgh, who incredible April has won like one game or two games in the entire month of May. They've been awful in May. And then after you get through those two, you have the nationals who are one of the worst teams in baseball, the Royals who are one of the worst teams in baseball and the white Sox who are one of the worst teams in baseball. So like you're two games out of the division and on, on May 11th here, let's, you know, let's make something happen. All right. And then my follow-up question, I know it's your turn to go, but. Do you trade or keep Eduardo Rodriguez at the trade deadline? So my response to that has been pretty consistently that it almost entirely just depends on how big of a joke the AL Central actually is. So like then, genuinely, like, you think that are the Tigers buyers at the trade deadline in this division? Like, like, like. Okay, like I'm not going to go that far, but like if it's if it's post All Star break. And 500 gets you first place in the division, you know, maybe you hold on to him. Unless you're like 20 games under 500 and this just completely falls apart, then obviously you trade him. But I think it genuinely, a lot of it is just going to determine and, and be based on uh, where the team current, where the team stands in the division at the deadline. I think the bigger question is if, well, not it, it kind of one in the same question, I guess, is. Uh, how much more are you going to have to pay him if you don't trade him? Because he is opting out. Like, it's going to happen. He's 100% yeah. opting out. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of question marks surrounding Erod for sure. Um, but he's been, like, one of the three best pitchers on the planet so far this season. So, Yeah, I mean, he's an early Cy Young candidate. I know it's only May, but if you look at the rest of their league, not many pitchers are doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. If, if the season ended today, he would get like either first or second, probably second in uh, in American League Cy Young. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about? Yes, he, he doesn't have anything. Uh, um... Oh my god, he's looking around his room. Uh... <laughs> Um, bro, you just asked me about the NHL playoffs. Easy. No, because now you want to talk about that. I was just trying to help you out. <laughs> oh well, how do you feel about the slash? The slash hurt around oh, the dude, world. Oh, dude, it's got to be a suspension. Uh, well, yeah. and here, let me. I know it was an automatic suspension, but if you're gonna automatically suspend, uh, oh, Jesus, was it Nurse? Nurse, Nurse yeah. got a game, yeah. Uh, for for instigation like that, then I'm sorry. What Peter Angelo did, Petrangelo has got to be two games. It's got to be. 
it was intentional and it was it, the most blatant and aggressive slash I've seen in a long time away from the play because the puck was nowhere near dry side yeah. at that point. Like he did a basically the equivalent of a drive by shooting. Correct. Yeah. It was <laughs> insane. Like it, that was, it was nuts. It's at least two games. It's gotta be two games. If you're going to give, and I know again, it was automatic, but it, it nursed. Get, hey, come on now. Um, all right. And then my final one, final, final one, and then we can wrap it up. I can let you go. Enjoy your weekend. How do you feel about the Leafs down 3-1 in this series? The Leafs going to leave. You just hate to see it. You just hate to see it. Leafs going to leave, dude. I'm glad they got a game for their own sake, I guess. I'm not. How hilarious is it that they would finally get out of the first round since 2004 and then have immediately gotten swept, not even win a game in the second round? So then you can adjust the expectation (laughs) – a meme and be like, they haven't won a second. They haven't round won game a second round game, right? Since 2004. And it's basically at that point the same, right? The same amount of wins gets you to. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they've been getting their teeth kicked in uh, in that one. Florida, man. Jeez. But now they have the. Now they have the opportunity to get their hearts broken on home ice instead. Yeah. Of well, Florida five. going through the best regular season team ever, and then the Leafs roster and back-to-back series is crazy as a – well, they were an eight seed, right? Insane. If they – I think they might have been seven, actually. I can't remember. No, it would have been eight seed because Boston. Boston, Boston, yeah, Yeah. you're right. And so if they end up – if they end up beating the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's any team that can actually stop them because those are two of the best teams in the league. And I think – they've been on a tear. I, if they can beat those two teams, they can beat anybody. So we'll we'll see, obviously. Um, but anyways, Scotty, any final thoughts, buddy? We ball. We ball. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday, so stay tuned. Same time, same place, your team, every day. Every day. day.